Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. The heavyweight bout between the past two MVPs, it did not disappoint. Joel Embiid, he told us who he thinks is the best player in the league, but... Does Michael Wilbon agree? Plus, a haunting question. Is LeBron and Kyrie prepared to face off tonight? Should the Lakers have pursued Kyrie when they had the chance? Also, breaking news. One of the biggest questions as we head toward the trade deadline is now answered. Pascal Siakam on his way to Indiana. What that means for the teams that wanted him but missed out. Woj is here with the answers. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. We have our senior insider, Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach Lowe, Austin Rivers, the legend, Michael Wilbon is here. I'm Malika Andrews, and we have assembled this star-studded cast to talk about what some of the NBA's brightest stars did last night, right? We're going to get to that. We're going to get to Kevin Durant leading a fourth-quarter comeback, Paul George and company showing why the Clippers they may have the league's best big three, and we had Joel laying claim to the title of best player in the world. But we have to start with some breaking news. The Indiana Pacers, they have acquired all-star forward Pascal Siakam in a three-team deal that sends Bruce Brown, Jordan Nuora, and three first-round picks to the Toronto Raptors. That's what sources told our Adrian Wojnarowski. So, Woj, how did this deal get done here? Uh, a lot of negotiation, a lot of different trade and package scenarios between Toronto and Indiana. Siakam is going to be a free agent this summer. He had leverage in these trade talks because nobody wanted to trade for pa Pascal Siakam without having some confidence that he would re-sign with them. Mm. And Indiana has that confidence. Tyrese Halliburton, uh, his relationship with Pascal Siakam, they talked. And, the, and, and in talking to those around Siakam today, he's eager to talk about an extension this summer. Uh, with Indiana, but the three first-round picks, two this year, Indiana's own, and then a, uh, a, a lesser pick uh, that they have owed from uh, other teams, and then a 2026 first-round pick. But this is massive for Indiana. They tried, uh, prior to the OG Ananobi trade to New York, Indiana was trying to see if they could trade for both Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. They didn't have enough to get that done, or they weren't willing to offer enough to get that done. Ananobi goes to New York, but then Indiana stayed on the Raptors. Kevin Pritchard, Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto, the president of Indiana, kept talking. And then really late this morning, they finally landed uh, on an agreement. And now Pascal Siakam goes to Indiana. This is a team that offensively has been good as yeah. uh, anybody in a very long time in the league. And this is now a Toronto team. You know, really in a full rebuild, and Masai Ujiri's plan is to build that roster around Scotty Barnes, get younger players around his age. You saw that in the Knicks deal. Mm. And now three first-round picks uh, in this trade. You know, Toronto, again, moves toward a rebuild, and now there's an Indiana team, you know, that gets an all-star level forward to plug in. And, listen, you, you talk to players around the league, there are no shortage of guys who love the idea of playing with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Siakam was among them. 
And one last thing, you know, when the league put in this new salary cap and this second apron and this real real limitation uh, on the way big market teams could stockpile star players, you're starting to see now Siakam, teams like Golden State or L.A., uh, others, it is hard to have three stars in this league right now. The, yeah. the league's goal was to start spurning that talent around. And that's part of the reason now Pascal Siakam lands with the Indiana Pacers. And now we see Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam team up on an Indiana team that went all the way to the finals of the in-season tournament uh, in 2023. Michael Wilbon, we know that Pascal Siakam was one of the most sought-after players as we got closer to the trade deadline. What's your first blush reaction here? Um, I care about postseason more than in-season. And that's what so we're looking they. at with, yes, they do. <laughs> but that's what we're looking at. So how good does this make the Pacers? I mean, let's set Toronto aside. It's rebuild. We'll get back to them in three years. Now, how good does this make them when Halliburton's out there and healthy again? I presume this means Buddy Heald is staying. Woj, is that a reasonable presumption or well, not? There's still a couple of weeks left to the trade deadline. They do value Heald shooting short term. You know, it remains to be seen if he's still with this team after the deadline. Well, even after, after the deadline, when we see where they are. So when we look at the top of the East and we look at Boston and we then presumably look at Milwaukee, Philadelphia, does this push the Pacers past the Knicks? Does it push them into contention, still defensively challenged with, say, Philadelphia? We're still looking at Boston, Milwaukee at the top of the East. But where, how high does this push the Pacers? I, I, don't, I, I still don't have them over New York, let alone Philadelphia or Milwaukee. Or Boston. Okay. Uh, I do think this team has improved with Pascal on their team. He's an upgrade from Bruce Brown, essentially. Um, and Pascal's a guy who can run the floor with Tyrese's pace. The way he pushes the ball, you get uh, Siakam out in the you know lanes. That that's that that could be valuable. The three picks going, mm-hmm. I do like that. Tyrese is this guy is 23 years old. I, I I look at OKC and how they had Shea a couple years ago, and he was still one of the best guards in the league. And they've had all these picks, and they keep surrounding him with new young talent as this team grows out. Yep. That is the risk they're taking, but again, obviously there's an assurance that he's going to be back there in Indianapolis. So for short, ter- short term, they are better. So no, the Pacers aren't as good as Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. No, yeah. That can't be the benchmark for a trade like this, especially for a small market team like the Pacers. They can't go grocery shopping at the superstar grocery store. Like They have to get <laughs> who's available to them. And you just nailed the most exciting part of this, which is... Those two dudes running the floor together, Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam, that is going to be a show. You have a shooting center in Miles Turner who can space the floor for Siakam. Pascal can guard every position on the floor for a team that has been abysmal at defense. Is this team going to be a favorite in the first round? No. I would expect them to lose in the first round if they get in. But ask the Bucs how fun this team was to play before this trade. Mm. Like They're going to have a puncher's chance if they get in the playoffs. And the three picks... Look, it's, I think Toronto actually did pretty good to get three first yeah. given his free agency. But you got to understand, two of them are going to be out this year. And so that obligation exhausts itself. And so the Pacers will have stuff to trade if and when they want to upgrade this roster down the line. They haven't handicapped themselves like the Clippers for seven, eight years mm-hmm. in draft equity. This team's going to be good. You have two all-stars. Pascal Siakam's an all-star. Whether he makes it this year or not, the guy's an all-star player. He's 29 Indiana can't be picky. Yeah, one's 29, one's 23, yep. whatever he is. Like, this is going to be a really good and fun team, and sometimes you just yep. got to have some fun in the NBA. Well, let's talk about a couple of teams that 
could at times afford to be picky because Bobby Marks had Pascal Siakam and, and the Toronto Raptors way up there on his trade meter in terms of teams to be watching as we approach the trade deadline. Now Pascal Siakam is off the board here, Woj. How are teams like the 76ers, the Golden State Warriors, folks that maybe had an eye on Pascal Siakam, what are they pivoting to now that Pascal is headed to Indiana? Yeah, I, I don't think Siakam was really a serious consideration okay. for either of those teams because they knew – that you're going to have to max him out this summer in free agency. And I think what Golden State would have to give up. And I think Philadelphia is, I think they feel like they're working from a position of leverage. And they can be patient that maybe they could even get better out there. But uh, I think for Indiana, again, them having the cap space this summer, uh, that dulled the market because teams knew if I, even a team like Sacramento, if I trade for Pascal Siakam, Siakam without assurance or without confidence he's going to resign with me, this guy can just walk. And we know there are teams with cap space where there's a mutual interest. That was Indiana. That gave Indiana leverage throughout these talks. I think a lot of the other deals we maybe see between now and the trade deadline with Siakam and Ananobi both now out of Toronto – you know, they may not be of the level of these players. It mm. may be more role players moving around, but history shows us strange things happen before the trade deadline. Players become available who none of us expected to become available. It happens almost every year. I'm guessing it'll probably happen this year. We just don't know who it is yet. And look, to your point, I think Toronto did okay here because I don't think a lot of these teams are going to go all in for Pascal Siakam. He's shooting 31% from three, which makes him a tricky fit on some of these. He's been hot lately. And to, to me, like Philadelphia with Embiid, maybe we'll see where they go. Sacramento is the interesting one that I think had a big decision to make, and they've had a couple gut punch losses in a row. We'll talk about them. But I, I, I'm excited about this trade, and if you look at the roads not taken, who is the team that was just going to jump all over themselves to get Pascal Siakam? I'm not sure there was one right now. Yeah, Atlanta had been a team, go back through the summer, who had tried really hard yeah. to get involved in that, and then I think they got to a point Kim here Keith. where the idea of them – Trading for a player like that and having the confidence to re-sign them yeah. and maybe going in a different direction roster-wise, age-wise, closer to what Toronto's doing than Indiana. The secondary headline here seems to be, uh, oh, happy day for small market teams. I mean, speaking to Woj, the, the, the salary cap implications and which teams are able to get involved in the only ways they can get involved. I mean, we, we have learned by now the big star free agents – don't even necessarily go to New York. Well, Brooklyn, not not Manhattan. But this is the way. That's, that's it, yeah, exactly, Austin. I mean, this is the way you mentioned Sacramento, perhaps on deck. Uh, Indiana coming through with this trade. I, I I may be a little bit higher, and I, I'm I'm an old school defensive person first. I may be a little bit higher on the Pacers in the postseason than you guys. Mm. I mean, I mean, Siakam actually gives them some defensive presence. They yeah. have none now. You would think he'd come in with that, and Halliburton's got to be thrilled. Yep. I mean, it's just there's also a, you know about this better than any of us a spirit to that locker room, Austin. You would accept, you would expect to be boosted. Absolutely. I mean, now they're they're getting an all-star type player. They're losing Bruce Brown, who was a good role player, but now you're getting an all-star guy. You're giving also Halliburton in terms of pressure on his shoulders every night. He has another guy he can confidently go down the stretch with yeah. that he has confidence in who can handle his own. It makes them much deeper. And in terms of matchup with them in Milwaukee, another guy who you can throw at Giannis in terms of guarding him. Right. They have the Naismith guy who gives him problems, but now you're throwing a whole, another lengthy, mm -hmm. strong, competitive, 
you know, guy who can play both ends of the ball. And a coach in Rick Carlisle who knows how to use it. Exactly. Guys. Better yeah. bring better That's why Buddy Hill's important now. Yeah. Better bring his I mean, the shooting is, they need shooting now because Pascal's not a shooter. in Indiana you know? who somehow, some way is unfamiliar with what Pascal Siakam is bringing to the table, just take a look here. Points, rebounds, assists for his career in Toronto. This is what you are getting in Indiana. Mm, it's a lot of points. To a developing story, a Tennessee woman has filed a federal lawsuit accusing New York Knicks owner James Dolan of pressuring her into unwanted sex nearly a decade ago, while also facilitating an encounter with disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein, who she also claims sexually assaulted her. Now, ESPN typically does not name victims of sexual assaults, but the plaintiff, Kelly Croft, issued a public statement Tuesday saying in part, quote, James Dolan manipulated me brought me to California to abuse me, and then set me up for a vicious attack by Weinstein. My hope is that my lawsuit were forestolen to acknowledge what he did to me and take responsibility for the harm that he caused. E. Dania Perry, an attorney for Dolan, provided a statement to ESPN dismissing the allegations, writing in part, quote, there is absolutely no merit to any of the allegations against Mr. Dolan. Kelly Croft and James Dolan had a friendship. Bottom line, this is not a he said, she said matter, and there is compelling evidence to back up our position. We look forward forward to proving that in court. In a battle of the two best players in the NBA right now, the MVP reigns supreme. Why Joel Embiid still has more to prove to our experts despite this huge night. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. From that gorgeous picture of Perk to the one and only Richard Jefferson, he is back in studio with us. It feels like if we're going to talk about the battle of the MVPs, we needed you. Oh, I, look, I'm here uh, per my court order. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, per the community service that I'm required oh, to do. Oh, you know, my goodness. But I'm here. Then I'm ready to go. Let's get I'm to ready. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Oh, what a Jokic. game last night. It was exceptional. Come on, theme music. Yeah. Stick around long enough. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get you some of that too, Austin. Don't worry about that. Nikola Jokic versus Joel Embiid. We're going to pick this one up in the first quarter. Embiid drives on Jokic and then hits the baseline jumper. No, it was just so impressive watching these guys battle it out. It, the most impressive thing to me was really the offensive rebound from Jokic. Look at that pad deep in the corner. Like, Batum, we know. He, he is just kind of like a glue guy everywhere he goes. But the offensive rebounding, 
Mm. Jokic, they joke, joke about that he can't jump over things, but when this man just gets his hands on the ball, look at that. Offensive rebound, offensive rebound. Has a career-high offensive rebounding night against Joel Embiid, one of the biggest, most athletic guys in the history of this league. And capping off the quarter like this, Jokic had 15 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists in the first half. Embiid had 23 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. The game all tied up at 78. So you know this one was only going to get better, Zach, in the third quarter. And it did. I wish they had guarded each other a little bit more, but it stayed pretty tight the whole game. A lot of runs back and forth, and the big fellas came in mm. for the second half stretch run. Look at the passing. Embiid's Where passing is That's where level. he's gotten so Next much better. Level. Tobias Harris, by the way, shout out to Tobias Harris. Big game. Patrick Beverly, you're too small. Sorry. Jokic <laughs> no finished with 25 points, 19 rebounds. And to your point on Embiid's assists, he finished with 10 of them to Jokic's three. Going ahead to the fourth quarter here, 6.45 to play the game. All tied at 113. Sixers out in transition. Ooh, oh, well no. Embiid. The, the, I don't what is, it kind of a short zero. circuit. It was. Kind of a zero, like kind of a, center step. A, a center step. It didn't have the. Oh, yeah. oh, easy, oh. easy, big fellow. Oh. The fine might be coming. It was worth what? every I love dollar. It. Worth every dollar. Joel oh, let him have fun. Fired up. Fun. After the three, Joella beat eight consecutive points. Yeah. Tries again. Ten straight points from Embiid. The Sixers, they get the win, 126-121. Here's what Embiid had to say about Jokic after the game. Oh, I just thought he missed the best player in the league. Like I told you earlier, you know, he, you know, he won the championship. That's the best team in the league, and, you know, he's the finals MVP. So I was just telling him, keep going, see, and see you in two weeks, and keep doing your thing, and that's why you're the best in the league. He's a really good player. He's, uh, he's playing historic right now. He's uh, averaging 30-something points uh, every night, and it's extremely hard to do, especially every night. But, I mean, I'm not playing against him. I'm playing against uh, Philadelphia, so it was a good matchup, probably. I mean, he just continues to make history every time he steps on the court. What else can I say? Tuesday was no different. He not only put up 41 points, he had 10 assists, too. And that extends his streak of games with a 30-point double-double to 17 straight. Michael Wilbon, who do you think the only other player with the longest streak is in NBA history? <laughs> when you look at these things and you just have wilt, people forget. And, 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 and folks ought to not start talking about, oh, somebody's having one of the 10 greatest. No, stop. Because Wilt might have had five by himself. Yeah. But we don't need to compare him to Wilt. We can deal with modern day and just what he's doing and watching that matchup last night yep. and looking at, with no disrespect to Giannis, the two best big men in the world right now. I mean, it's not just the two best big men in the world. Joel Embiid said that Nikola Jokic is the best player in that's, the that's, world. Yeah, it's, 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 I don't like it at all. Why not? I, I, I love. Oh. I love. I don't like it, bro. It's nice. I love a little humility. No, it's not nice. I love. I love, I love humility, I, I, but from the wrong guy. I, not him. He's a guy. First off, people are going to use this against him when they compare it. So I, I don't. Austin, how? Why? 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 Because why would you? They're so close of a player. They're like, why would you even give that one up? I just don't like it. Austin, really quickly, if you go against this man in the NBA Finals, if I'm on the Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers, I want to think that my best player is walking in there thinking he's, he's the, the best, best player. player in the world. You actually? But yeah, why would they? The yes. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. If you're on the 76ers and you're in the NBA Finals against the Denver Nuggets, are you actually worried about a soundbite that a very no, polite I'm worried about the sound. Are you actually worried about that? No, they mean what he feels. I get yeah, that you, part. You actually think he believes that? And I don't believe well, why it. Why would you say it if you I don't, don't believe, believe it? it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Said, no, I'll tell you why he said Sports it. Sports is full of this. Over the centuries, you can acknowledge somebody else's greatness without threatening your own. Yes, and it took Larry and Irvin a decade to do it. Okay, then. But then they would say... 
No, no, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. He went back and forth. Larry Bird in a playoff series said about Michael Jordan, he's Jesus. But, but uh, both after of them, he beat him. But both, both of them, him. he did beat him multiple <laughs> times. He said that after he no, beat him. Well, yeah, no, he said it after a game in Magic which he gave him 63. Magic and Larry had both won championships they had, they when had. they started crossing those barbs. When you want to start saying, oh, well, he's the best player in the world and yeah. he's this and everything. Yes, you give him credit. It's like right now. Richard, fun- I heard you be gracious. I was at your locker all those years. I heard you be gracious in the moment in live time. But Why can't Joel, does it, does it threaten, is it, does, does it need to be that much insecurity that Joel can't, one, we're, be great and pursue this, but yet feel what he said about getting, Joker? We're doing the thing where we talk about the wrong thing. No. Like, I don't really <laughs> care. No, I don't really no, no, care. No, 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 I don't really care what Joel, who cares? I care about this. These are the two best players in the world, and they were awesome last night. And here's why Joel probably said what he said. One dude won a championship. Yep. The other dude has not been to the conference finals. And frankly, before Gracious. you jump in, before you jump in and yell at me, look at Joel Embiid's postseason numbers compared to his regular season numbers. Stan Van Gundy shouted it out last night. And yeah, there have been injuries and broken faces and knees and all of that. The bottom line is Joel Embiid, more than anyone else in that game and in this world, knows that he is not delivered in the playoffs at the level he's delivered in the regular season yeah. where he is currently the best player in the NBA. That's why he shouldn't have said it. That's why he shouldn't have said it. Who cares to sound like I don't like it. I like Clyde and Jordan Richard, go ahead. Not many times we sit up on this panel and I pull the player card. The only thing I'm saying is as a player – I want my best player, Thank you. Joel Embiid, who is the reigning MVP, yes. top two in voting the last yes. three years. I want his mentality to be, I'm the best player in the world. I'm, last year when he I didn't show up in Denver, is his when that, he didn't show up in Denver, everyone talked about ducking him. That, if if yeah, that's your mentality, he didn't duck nothing if that's Richard, the saying that, the saying well, that, somehow betray his you, real you, mentality. You, know, you would have said that they lost last night? But there's you think if they sides. lost to Jokic, he would have said that? No, but there's two sides. I think someone shouldn't who have said sat, they lost. Someone who sat on the other side of the interview when someone said, I'm fine in the West, and then that made all the rounds when they, in fact, were not. So it will make all the rounds once again if and when it comes to fruition that they face off against each other and Joel Embiid is not the best player in that series. But I do see your point, Richard, in that I can't imagine LeBron, for instance, saying that about Steph Curry in their battle. No, no, I can't Steph see Steph Curry. I couldn't see Steph Curry saying that about LeBron. Like, look, if you were the reigning, look, he's a reigning MVP. Even Giannis said it. Look, when you win the MVP, there you're the. If you win the Finals MVP, yes, you can give some credit in that moment. But to go and play against this man, and we know how close they are, and be like, look, he's the best player in the world. You are telling me as your teammate that when we step on, we've got the second best player on the floor or at least that's your mentality you're saying it to the world I think saying it to the world and saying what he said whatever he said in the locker room as you guys know are often two different things he can say whatever he wants okay. graciousness then, then, then never that. hurts yeah. when does graciousness ever come back to bite you I it doesn't I can't bombast come back comes what, back what to bite can't you believe Zach? I just can't believe this game happened last night and this is what we're talking well about. Here's, here's the good news I do I have think good it's an important news point you, to get into mentality I have, I have good news I, for everybody but my on point this is panel. this I just think if I'm Tyrese Max here Tobias Harris I've never played in the NBA you guys have I hear that comment and I just think to myself I know that the dude, the, the, the the dude thinks he's the best player in the NBA. If Here's you have the terrible news. playoff performances, if you have terrible playoff performances, I don't want to hear you bigging up somebody else. You don't have to wait very long for the next meeting between oh, Joel and oh, Embiid. better both play. Let's go. January 27th. <laughs> this one's in Denver. That game is at 5:30 Eastern on ABC. Guard each other, please. A little birthday present for me. All right, I'll next on NBA game. Today. The Suns. <laughs> Guard that game, Rick. Yeah, we did good. There we go. Thanks to a lineup change. 
hear what Kevin Durant had to say about their epic comeback. That was much better than the high five that I just witnessed between you two. <laughs> we got it right. We got it right. With Mavs in town tonight, did the Lakers miss out on going all in on the Kyrie-LeBron reunion in L.A. this offseason? Plus, Draymond Green offered his thoughts on what the Warriors could do at the trade deadline. Don't miss that. NBA Today will be right back. Richard, it's good to have you here. It's good to be back. It's Is good it? to be back. Yeah. Got nothing else to do. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. So the Suns had a 99.9% chance to lose this game in the fourth quarter. That's according to ESPN's win probability. By my math, that is a 0.01% chance to win. So you're telling me they had a chance? Good math there, Malika. Thank you. It was not my strongest suit. English I was great at. So let's pick this up in the aforementioned fourth quarter. The Kings with a sizable lead here. The Phoenix Suns looking to chip into it. You want that guy on your team if you're going to do so. If you have Kevin Durant, then it's never a 0% chance. That's really what it is. If you have Kevin Durant, there's always a chance. Once again, he proves it with this. Shipping into that lead. The King going on the attack. Not so fast. Grayson Allen getting out in transition. All of a sudden, Bradley Beal and the Suns' big three starting to take shape here, Zach. How about nine threes for Grayson Allen? Forget the big three. Big four, Grayson Allen. They can both plays. Well, Devin Booker hands it back to Kevin Durant for the three. Yes, sir, you bet. Four-point game at this point, thanks to that three. And then, watch this here. Eric Gordon. Look, Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen, those are the two. Like, we talk about the big three, but it's those two. Those are the Eric Gordon gets wide open, butt-naked threes in the corner. <laughs> yes. And he's always going to shoot. Eric Gordon's always, always going to yeah. shoot, no matter who's on his team. All of a sudden, the game's all tied up. Kevin Durant, that one doesn't go. No laptop today. No laptop in this one. And then the Kings inbounding with 1.1 left here, right? Malik Mun puts it up with a prayer. That's, no good. That's Suns win 119. 1.6 seconds. 117. Hey, Kevin Durant. One point. What happened? How did the other job win this game? I have no clue. <laughs> I usually know how the game is flowing, but I felt like this was a blur. 
I feel like I looked up, we was down six, and I look up again, it's a tie game, you know? So everything happened so fast. I guess we all were in the zone and just locked in. It's still crazy that we end up finishing that game the way we did, and uh, we've been the worst fourth quarter team. And I feel like the history of the game, and tonight we come back, it's crazy how, how life works. All right, Austin, Richard, let's break this one down since Richard is back with us in studio here. The Suns, they went small down the stretch, right? They used Durant at center with Booker, Beal, and Allen and Gordon as well. So the Suns, they finished the game on a 32-8 run in the final 8-15 of the game to win it all. This was the largest comeback in the fourth quarter since the Thunder against the Heat in the 2020 bubble. So, Richard, what did you see on the offensive end in this one? You know this. They were about 90 seconds away from pulling their guys out. Calling it 90 <laughs> seconds. So as much as we want to talk about the last eight minutes, they were 90 seconds. But it's the spacing that you get with the amount of shooters. Grayson Allen, nine yep. threes. Look, he's Coming underneath. Back. He's trying to find. Look, okay, Sacramento Kings, they clapped. You can't do that. You can't collapse on the Warriors. You can't collapse on the Suns. Just like an offensive rebound. Move, move, move. Wide open shot. And they have so many guys that can knock this down. So again here, up by three. You don't need to be scrambling. Protect the three-point line. You got Eric Gordon pointing to Kevin Durant. Yep. Swing, swing. You don't need to scramble. You're up by three. So there were as much as this was an amazing comeback by the Phoenix Suns. The Sacramento Kings. Right. Woo! That was disgusting. Well, and that's what I'm curious about. I'm not sure I was going to go as far as disgusting. It was. But how did this Suns lineup affect the Kings? On defense. Let's talk about switching. Mm -hmm. They made it incredibly difficult for the Kings, took them out of their whole offensive flow. What happens is when a team goes small and you put KD at the five, now everybody starts playing isolation basketball. So it becomes hero basketball. Bad shot after bad shot, iso play after iso play. Here we got a simple pick and roll. No, we're switching. Contest, throws a pass, the defense is in. Usually a big is trailing behind the pick and roll. No, now you got the guard. Now we're up, and yeah, not, not a lot of seven-footers can do that when you got Kevin Durant on a fast break, Euro stepping duck in. Another switch. That is not a good switch. Kevin Durant has length, so now he's shooting a step side, step three, doesn't foul, and then what happens with good defense? It usually leads to good offense. Pass, pass. Devin Booker's been unselfish all year. Can't leave Kevin Durant open. They made the game more complicated than it needed to be. Mm. They started switching. And when you do that, teams can get reliant on ISO basketball. Well, and that's when, when he's with the Golden State Warriors. They were already one of the best switching teams with Draymond across yep. the top. Now you had a seven-foot guy sure. that can also space the floor and shoot. So now they were able to spit, like switch, and now your defense gets messed up if you're the Sacramento Kings. Your right. offense is messed up because you can't run the same things. You're not getting the same triggers. All of a sudden, Sabonis is not catching and throwing it out to somebody because everyone's staying at yep. home. And if you don't have deliberate one-on-one -on -one play yeah. in those moments, which they didn't, yeah. then you go flat quick. Well, and the Suns, their big three, they got out to a little bit of a shaky start, but if you take a look, the last couple of times that KD, Booker, and Beal, they all suited up, they're scoring at a rate that would be the third best in the league behind only the Pacers and the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're calling them a big three, we say Grayson Allen makes them no, a big four. All right. Well, from one big three to another big three, big four, if we're adding Russell Westbrook to the mix, this was a great game. The Clippers facing off against Shea Gilgis-Alexander, of course, Oklahoma City on the second night of a back-to-back -back after being in a tough one with the Lakers the night before. I hate to tell you this, but Paul George, particularly in the fourth quarter, he did not care. This was a man on a mission, Richard. Yeah, it was. And I know he conceded and said, and he got a lot of criticism for saying that Kawhi Leonard was the best player on their team. But last night, Paul George yeah. was impressive. Like, again, you're watching him now. No, we're not going to take anything away from OKC. But Paul George was just special. The and one here. He has a little step back three. He gets the steal, goes back. Not a lot of big men can 
and go all of a sudden and do a little Euro step three uh, like uh, dunk in transition. It was just impressive watching him do it all. Kawhi Leonard with the big block. It, watch this. Here we go. Are we going to get the oh. shimmy? Are we going to get the shimmy? shimmy? The wobble? Wow. The wobble shimmy? There? Yeah, he no, goes. Where's the wobble shimmy? You do the wobble shimmy, please. Maybe now I'm, is the wobble shimmy. No, I don't know. I shimmy. Here we go. Shimmy. He's like, oh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Well, Paul George, he this really was feeling Look at this. it. This is yoink. That's this a yoink. yoink. He's out in transition. Who can do this? Oh, you guys can do this. One hand. Put this man on the all-star down. team. <laughs> all-star team. We're working on All-NBA right now. L.A. gets the win, 128-117. The Clippers. We we in the driver's seat. We control our destiny. Um, we can go as far as we want to go. I think we committed to, to, to one another, which is the most important te- uh, thing for this team. The Clippers, they continue to play their most consistent ball in the Kawhi PG era. Since December 1st, they're the best team in the NBA. Point blank, period. They entered this stretch sitting at 11th in the West. They now have the best record in the league since climbing all the way up to fourth place in the conference. So, Mr. Wilbon, the Clippers, there's no doubt about it. They're red hot. Are they starting to prove to you that they could be the best team in the West? No, they are red hot. They are. But I'm going to go cross sport here. And I know everybody sitting up here is something of a football fan, too. Do we not learn anything from the Dallas Cowboys? The Clippers are in that territory. Don't they, nothing they do between now and April 15th is going to convince me of anything. It's impressive. I, I give them all the credit in the world for playing this way. It does suggest that they have all the pieces and the wherewithal and the mentality to play this way in the postseason. But I got to see it. How many times? You got to show me if you're the Clippers, just like the Cowboys. We just went through this a whole season with the Cowboys and they got to the same place and did what the Clippers have done historically. Got to see more. The Clippers did make the conference finals for the first time in franchise history in 2021. That's a thing that happened. People gloss over it, but it happened. Look, this game, I was at this game. This game was awesome. I mean, awesome. This is one of those games where you just sit back and enjoy two really good teams yep. breaking out different tactics and matchup. Like we saw Kawhi take SGA down the stretch and say, I got this and block him at the rim. Just an awesome game to the point that I actually turned to a scout that was sitting next to me on press row and I said, can you believe that Team X, and I won't name the team to be mean, plays in the same league as these two teams? This was a high-level, serious basketball game. And the Clippers, yeah, they've been a disappointment for most of the PG Kawhi era due to injuries. They have announced themselves as an absolute serious team on both ends of the floor. And if I'm the Denver Nuggets, they're still the favorites in the West. Until further notice, they're kind of cruising through the regular season. This is the team that scares me more than anyone else in the Western Conference. No, I agree with scare, what's scaring you. But, again, we, you want to go cross-board, I get it. Philadelphia's the same way. We were talking about Philly. We're talking about Philly. It's like all the things that Philly has done. Until we get to the postseason, no one cares. Re-re. No one cares. Th- that's the only thing that matters. And, look, you're going to say this. They did go to the conference finals. Correct me, if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they beat the Utah Jazz? Did the Utah Jazz they beat to go to the conference finals in yes. the second round? The Utah Jazz is a team that was broken up because they were like, we're not good oh, enough. Dude, dude, dude. Like, they beat the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, went to the, the Dallas Mavericks uh, went to the conference finals. Uh, Atlanta Hawks have been to the conference finals. My only thing about this is we can use that and say, yes, we're glad that they made it to the conference finals. But we're talking talking about championships with these two. So will they be healthy all the way through? Because Kawhi got hurt. Well, that obviously, that's an issue. So I'm just saying is this. They are right now the best team in the West. 
The only team that if I was Denver, I would be afraid, not a fearful, but I would look at that team. Absolutely. And, and just, but I don't know if they have the big depth to handle that. That's Austin, just my, last word on this. I think the Clippers are the biggest threat to the Denver Nuggets, um, just due to the fact that they figured this out quickly. We were all very quiet when James got, or we were all very loud when James got there, and everybody was very hard on the fit. They simplified it. They put Russ to the bench. Russ doesn't close a lot of the games. Uh, Ty Lue has done a great job handling this situation. It's not easy to handle four first ballot Hall of Famers and put them in their place. Absolutely. They, we, they, they trusted James. James has took a backseat even closing games. He brings up the ball, but he's looking for those two. The pressure's not on him to close anymore. He's playing a little bit more fluid. They are deep. They got talent. Yep. They got shooting. They got scoring. They got multiple guys that can close games. And in the playoffs, when, when the game shrinks and it slows down and you need guys to close, close a game, they got like three or four of those guys who can do There's it. There's still only one I'm counting on to close the games oh. after we get to May 1st. Well, there is. Kawhi. Kawhi. Well, yep. Fair enough. And there's plenty of reasons to have trust issues with the Los <laughs> yeah, yeah, Angeles. Yeah, yeah. I've been hurt. I've been hurt before. <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, it feels every like if year. they play like this, every, every then every you know, hurt me. This, there's, there is every Show reason me. to believe that they could contend with the Denver Nuggets. Before we go to break, gentlemen, some sad news. Golden State Warriors assistant coach Dehan Milojevic has died after suffering a heart attack in Salt Lake City on Tuesday night, according to the team. Milojevic, he joined Steve Kerr's staff in 2021 and was a beloved coach in both the NBA and international basketball communities. And prior to coaching Milojevic, he had a 15-year professional playing career, including stops in Serbia, in Spain, in Montenegro, in Turkey. Milojevic, who was 46, had traveled with the Warriors for Wednesday night's game against the Utah Jazz, which has since been postponed. And our thoughts are with Milojevic's family. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mavs at the Lakers tonight on ESPN, which means LeBron versus Kyrie Irving. And since they split up in Cleveland, LeBron is 11-4 all-time against his former teammate. Meanwhile, Irving, he's been on fire this month. He's averaging almost 32 a game. And Ramona Shelburne, she pinned a story. It's up on ESPN.com right now. It's entitled LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and the choice that still haunts the Lakers. And here is what she writes. She writes that for a year... The Lakers had extended internal discussions about whether or not to pursue Kyrie Irving in a trade. Obviously, that did not come to fruition, or in free agency as well. But, Mike, do you think the Lakers should regret not pursuing Kyrie Irving in the offseason harder? You look back at a sweep and you can have all kinds of regrets. I, I, look, I was with LeBron and asked him about it on camera that day. Um, I'm starting to rethink this a little bit. Again, when you see a team get swept, you say, okay, what else could have made a difference here? Do I think that that would have enabled the Lakers to beat Denver? Seriously? No. And so if that's not going to be the case, re-signing him is another situation. Could you have plugged him in last year and gotten another step from the Lakers? Gotten past Denver? No. So I'm still going to say no, Malika, but I am – I'm rethinking it. I'm, I'm reconsidering. I'm only smiling because you know who was sitting courtside at one of the games in that sweep, front and center, made sure to be seen in front of all the yeah, cameras, was Kyrie. was Kyrie Irving. And no one does that without, you know, 
wanting to send some sort of message, Zach. Well, look, we're talking about this today when the Lakers are struggling and Kyrie is going bananas for the Mavericks yep. and playing really, really great basketball and playing consistently. Does bananas get a shimmy like we're... Like PG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> in a month, the, the landscape may change in a way that changes how we talk about this subject. So, like, I, I can't really get fired up about it, especially because what's kind of unsaid is that the Lakers... Could only have opened up, I checked with Bobby Marks, $36 million in cap space last summer, which is less than Kyrie is earning with the Mavericks. And to do that, it would have been LeBron, AD, and nothing. Mm -hmm. No draft picks, no Jared Vanderbilt, no Hood Shafino, no Max Christie, no Austin Reeves Capold, nothing. So kind of a trade last season is one thing. And if you're talking about offseason free agency, it's it's a harder choice than I think people may realize that it was. It's very easy now. To look back and say what they yeah, should have done. Yeah, hindsight. 2020. I mean, we questioned the Kyrie trade when he when he, when they re-signed him. They're like, is it going to work? Because sure. we didn't see enough last year yep. that that garnered. You know, last year they had a very disappointing season. Everybody questioned whether they could even have anything this year. They've come out to a great start. Kyrie's thriving now, so it's very easy for us to kind of pick this apart. Um, would I like to see Kyrie back with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Yeah, that'd be a heck of a team. Do I think they could compete with Denver and, and Clippers and the likes of the Suns? Absolutely. It's a Stars League. Uh, I always feel like if you start with the top, you can find ways to fill in the in-between. Mm. It might not be as a well-rounded team as you like. They might not be a deep team. But, my God, uh, what I've seen that guy do, and, Richard, you know better than anybody. You played with Kyrie. You played with LeBron. Like, the success that they've had together, you add Anthony Davis to the yeah. mix. Yeah, that's something I, to think about. I, I understand why you would want that. LeBron, Kyrie, mm-hmm. these guys, they've proven they can win. But don't forget, like Zach said, you were going to strip the rest mm-hmm. of the roster. Yeah. Now, you go back and look at the success that they had. They had those guys, and they had a loaded roster around them. Oops. So it's like, well, I'm saying it's like, you don't have, you're going to lose the JR. You're going to lose the Tristan. You're going to lose those players that they won the championship with when we're talking about when they had success in Cleveland. So that's my only thing. Right. You put those three guys and then you have a, a stripped-down roster, it's just a little That's bit true, harder. But it's a little bit harder. That's all it's down. Well, but if you talk to folks, and it's interesting because particularly now when you talk to folks around the league, Zach, the, the discussion around the Los Angeles Lakers is whether or not there could be some movement in terms would, of looking to add depth to the point guard <laughs> position. And I know that's very different than Kyrie Irving. Um, the roster now. Let's talk what? about the other team in L.A., Austin. How about that? The Clippers, they're moving to a new arena next season. Steve Ballmer, he held a press event in the new Intuit Dome yesterday Man. that you can see. And, yes, there will be toilets. Yeah, bathrooms, baby. But he also explained. Look at that screen. One very unique. Looks like Jerry World, doesn't it, Guys, about who is going to be allowed in certain seats during the games. But if you look where you can't see behind me, it's what we call our wall of sound. It's 51 rows, top to bottom. It's steeper than anything you see from this vantage point to try to bring the fans in closer to the game. That'll be what we call a clipper-only zone. Uh, You have to follow us on Instagram. You gotta buy a jersey. You have to be a season ticket holder. Three or four different things you can pick from, but you're not gonna sit there if you're not really on our team. There's more stipulations than just that, Steve Ballmer. I mean, the Clippers, they're going to track how much you cheer during the game. They're going to stipulate whether or not you can wear other teams' gear in order to sit there. You played for them for a couple of seasons. I love Steve. Really? I, I mean, mean, I love Steve. Different. I love his passion. I love I that love they're trying. Passion. You know what I mean? That's different it's, than it's a logical. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how you could track whether it's a boo or a cheer or what. 
what's going to garner. And There's then- almost something to create a college <laughs> atmosphere. Sorry, sounds like a college basketball Cuban atmosphere. Did the same thing. Mark Cuban yeah. did the exact same thing when they were playing against the Spurs in the playoffs. Their ticket, their ticket office was not taking two one zero numbers. Anything that came from San Antonio, they weren't taking that. So all he's doing is taking it to another level of like we want Clipper fans here for this experience. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm glad Chuck the Condor was wearing his safety vest at at the it's arena very yesterday. Important. Very first, important for Zach. Chuck to say. Hard hat safe. too. A big pink condor. Um, <laughs> look, I I like the creativity, and I what I really like is he's forget the wall for a second. They're building this arena to be about the game, about basketball. Yeah. And there's going to be a bunch of stuff built into it that says you have to pay attention to the game. The big brother aspect of this scares me. Yes, a little bit. We're going to track how much you're getting up from your. Kind of don't love that. Feel a little icky. Yeah. Go Clips. Don't kick me out. Yeah. We'll get you a hard hat. Don't worry about it. All right. Still to come on NBA today. Dame plays for the first time since his incredible game winner. Will it be game time again against the Cavaliers on ESPN? We're going to discuss next on NBA Today. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Here comes Lillard. Dame, 30-footer for the win! Dame time in Milwaukee! I shot my best shot on the last one of the game, so, you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick tight click and went all out. Welcome back to NBA Today. It is now time for Setting the Pick, brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Dame Lillard and the Bucks, they're back in action for the first time since Dame's buzzer-beating game winner over the Kings. This time, they're playing Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. So, Richard, you've been done this in a little bit. Who you got? You got the Bucks? You got the Cavs? Oh, I 100% got the Cavs. I got the Cavs. I'm riding with the Cavs. They're at the crib. The former Cav is riding well, with the Cavs. It okay. just, well, I'm a former Buck, too. I played for half the champion with the Cavs. Champion with the Cavs, yeah. But I like this Cavs team. Look, I think the Bucks team, they're still very, very good. Are they elite like we once saw? No, but they have room to get there. But right now, I like the way the Cavs right. are playing. Richard's going the with the Cavs. Who are you picking? Download the ESPN Bet app to get started. New customers receive $100 in bonus bets once they place their first Ew, sportsbook bet with ESPN <laughs> Bet. Menacing. I mean, I think it's a wonderful photo. First, uh, first like, give me your money. Well, <laughs> you want, you want oh, bet. boy. Raylon <laughs> Green, All right. Get in on the Warriors trade talks on this most recent podcast episode. Take a listen, Rich. Uh, there's been a lot of trade rumors. I know my name has came up. I know everyone's name has come up except for Steph Curry. To be honest, I have not thought about it one bit. I hear all the same things that all you guys hear. I know we've been linked to a Pascal Siakam. You know, everybody's saying, oh, the Warriors got to make a trade. They're going to make a trade. I mean, if you're 18 and 22, how can you question anything someone does? Do I think I'll be traded? I hope not. All right, Siakam, the thing is, he's off the board now. What should Golden State do, Mr. Wilbon? What's Golden State's mission at this point? What's their agenda? I mean, how is this tied to the offseason? If they can make a deal, I'm not trading Draymond Green. I'm, I'm not doing that. Well, don't we want to see what the Warriors can be if Draymond is out there engaged and actually playing in 90% of the remainder of the games? We're at the second half already. I don't, I don't see a deal out there that's going to suddenly magically transform the Warriors. Well, I mean, I said this yesterday 
the whole league has watched what's happened with Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins this year, and those are the two big long-term contracts on the books, and I don't think you'd get great value for nope. them at this, at this great value for them at this point. The Warriors, I think the time has come to think about next season and beyond in terms of cleaning up your cap sheet, repositioning the team around Steph, because this season is becoming a little too far gone. We haven't had your thoughts on this yet, Richard. Oh, I, I honestly think that in order, Steph, untouchable. Uh, I think Clay is untouchable. Like I'm saying, I would trade them all, but that's the rank I go. If I could get rid of Kaminga, if I can get rid of the rest of the roster, I try and keep the horses. I think Draymond is tied to the success of Steph with the way he plays offensively and defensively. Well, and the contract he just so, got. And the contract, and he's got, you know, certainly honest, he's got some things going on. Backs that up mm-hmm. uh, for Golden State. They do have some decisions to make about how they want to continue to build around Steph Curry. That's going to do it for us here on NBA Today. Enjoy tonight's games on ESPN and ABC. They're going to be great, and we'll see you tomorrow.